Hey, it is a privilege to be able to bring the word of God to you today. And uh, let me just pray us into this. Uh, I like to pray the same prayer just about every time I preach. So let's bow our heads together. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. God, we thank you for the privilege to read your word. Would you open up our minds, our ears, our hearts, and our eyes to receive a word from you today? And all God's children say, amen, amen. Well, I am so pumped to be getting into this message today. This is something I think is so important, something that you need, something that I really personally need as well. And if you've been here for the last few weeks, you know that we've been in a series called Supernatural. And it's been all about the book of Acts. We're going through the entire book of Acts over this entire year. Never done anything like that before, but felt like God told us to do that. And and so we're going through this book of Acts, and we've really been sitting in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. There's a whole lot in there. But man, I believe that uh, there's a very, very pivotal point in the conversation in Acts chapter 2 that we really need to talk about. We really need to nail down as a church, specifically for our church as well. And you'll know what I'm talking about in a little bit. But we've gone through Acts chapter 1 and 2, and the Holy Spirit, last week we talked about the Holy Spirit falling at Pentecost, right? They were The 120 were in the upper room, and they were praying for the Holy Spirit that was promised to come. Now, they didn't know what that was going to look like. They didn't know what was going to happen. But all they knew is that Jesus said to wait for the Holy Spirit. And so they waited and prayed for 10 days, and the Holy Spirit falls, and it says that tongues of fire separated. They all start speaking in tongues. They're going out there. Man, it's crazy. Peter preaches. 3,000 people get saved. Now, I don't know if I uh, will ever preach, maybe one day, and 3,000 people get saved with one message. That's a pretty good ROI there, Peter. Good job, my man. Well done. Good and faithful Peter, all right? That's a good message, and you can read it, too. We'll go back to it probably. I guarantee we'll go back to that, where he preaches and starts talking about, hey, that same Jesus that you crucified is the Jesus that we're talking about right now. The same Holy Spirit that was prophesied through the prophet Joel, that's what's happening right now. We're being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and and we got to talk to you about Jesus. And, man, all these people get saved, and, you know, uh, I, I like to pride myself in one thing that I feel like I do pretty well. And that is reading between the lines of what's happening in scripture. I like to ask questions about what would an average person that day that was there be thinking? What would they be feeling? I like to try to get the emotions of what's happening of what they're actually saying, or maybe what's not said, but might've been happening at that time. And so 3000 people are saved. And I would like to think that Peter is there And all these people are coming up to him, and there's just massive crowds saying yes to Jesus. If I'm Peter in that moment, I'm like, this is incredible. This is amazing. But what do we do now? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, what do we do? There's all these people that just said yes to Jesus, all these people that are now kind of in this family, and we don't even really know what's happening to us. The Holy Spirit just came. We started speaking in tongues. That was weird, okay? But now 3,000 people get saved. What do we do with all of these people? How do we get them plugged in? How do we teach them? How do we train them? And, and so what I want to do is I want to read this to you, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And if you have it in your Bibles, you have it on your phone, go there. We don't even have it on the screen. It's just this one passage for us today. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled at awe with the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Somebody say daily. Man, they had people daily that were being added into the family. So 3,000 people get saved. What's the first thing that they do? Right after all these people said yes to Jesus, they said, let's get together, right? Let's hang out. Let's have a barbecue. You know, I mean, I don't know what kind of barbecue. They were Jews, so maybe not. I don't really know. But like, <laughs> maybe it's some kind of a modified barbecue, you know? Like, let's get together and hang out. And so they got together. Let's grab some food. Let's, let's drink some wine. Let's break bread together. And let's get to know one another. Immediately, there was a commitment to community. Immediately, there was this willingness to get to know each other on a much deeper level. It says the Lord added to their number daily. How did that actually happen? I think there's two things. On the front end of it, there was a, a boldness that Peter received and a boldness that the disciples and the apostles received to preach the word of God. Amen? Like Peter, that's probably the most people he's ever talked to in his entire life, all right? He's like, hey, this, is, this was more of a Jesus thing uh, before, but, but now it's me? Jesus had talked to multitudes, but I've never done this before, right? We don't know. But I believe that there's this Holy Spirit baptism and this Holy Spirit power and authority that Peter has now filled with the Holy Spirit of God to preach an effective message. What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? We talked about it. It's for you to be a witness for Jesus, right? He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's what it's for, is to be a great witness for Jesus. So Peter gets up and he preaches boldly. And 3,000 people get saved. That's the front end of all this adding to the number daily thing. But what about on the back side of that? What about on the back end of it? I believe they're on the other side of all these people's belief. There was a willingness from the people who were already in the crowd, the people that were already on the end, the 120. There was this willingness to bring them into the fold, to bring them into the family to bring them into this community that they already had and to make them feel like family, amen? And they must, that must have been so hard. It must have been difficult because every single day, there was somebody new added to the dinner table, right? What if every day you had dinner and there was some new random person that you have never met before that was sitting at the dinner table with you? That would be a little difficult to handle. It's a little uncomfortable. There's a lot of the whole lot of the small talk, the people that hate small talk out there would absolutely have hated this day, okay? You know, like 3,000 new people I gotta make small talk with. Man, I gotta get to know their kids. I gotta get to know their name. I barely even know their face. They look like this guy. I don't even know who that guy is either. You know, it's like so many people, it must have been difficult. But I, I kind of imagine that Peter had to be telling them, you know, thanks be to God, right? That there's so many of us now. This is incredible. This is exactly what we're supposed to be doing. This is exactly what Jesus would have wanted, is that this good news, the gospel is already being spread and so many new people have gotten saved. But guys, it, it would be impossible for me to get to know each and every one of you like we have in the past. It's impossible. We gotta start taking care of each other. We have to commit to community. 
And so that's the title of the message today. You see it up on the screen, Commit to Community. And if I'm being honest, that's how I kind of feel right now. I'm kind of putting myself in Peter's shoes that day, and and he saw this explosive growth very, very quickly. But let's be real. If 3,000 people showed up to Radical Church next Sunday, do you realize how freaked out me and the staff would be? Like, it would be wild, okay? We're like, what is happening? Where are all these people coming from? What are we going to do with all of these people? And and this is how I feel, because last year, and I've said this recently, but I've just been feeling it, man. It's the... We were at 120, 130 people. And this last Sunday, we had just under 500 people, y'all. It's incredible what God has been doing in our church family. People finding salvation in Jesus, people getting baptized, people finding hope in him. We've had more people empowered by the spirit than ever before, more people being discipled than ever before, more people finding freedom than ever before. But I really do believe that in order for us to sustain what God is doing here at Radical Church, we have to have more community than ever before, amen? Amen. We have to really commit to community with one another. And and here's the problem, is that community is tough in a large setting. It's really tough. And you might come to this service every single week. And if you do, that's totally fine. But it's tough when you see the people that are in this room, you're like, oh, there's not really a whole lot of people here. But we have three services. There's another service that just left and one that's coming right after you. And when you're here all day like I am, talking to everybody, maybe you're part of worship and production or kids team or whoever might be here for the entire day, you see all of the people that are coming. And it's like, wow, there is a lot of people in this church. You might come to first service and you wouldn't even know that your friend goes to third service, right? I've heard that story before. It is hilarious. People will be like, you go to the same, I see it on Facebook, like, you go to Radical? Like, yeah, I've been going for three months. And they're like, I've been going for six months. Like, what are you talking about? No, you don't. And they're like, yes, I do. What service do you go to? I go to first, I go to third. Well, that's why we never see each other, you know? And it's crazy because there's just so many people coming and, and it's difficult in a large setting to have this sense of community about it. I get that. And when a church gets twice as big, I really do believe that we have to work twice as hard to make it feel small. When a church gets twice as big, we, notice I said we, have to work twice as hard to make it feel small. I'm not saying we as in me. I'm not saying me, we as in the staff. I'm talking about all of us. Who's a part of the church, right? Every single one of us. The church is not a staff. It's not a pastor. It's not a building. It's every single one of us. And collectively, we have to work to make this place feel like home and feel like family and feel like a small group of tight-knit people, even as we grow together. And uh, there's some people, and uh, God bless them, but they'll say this, they'll say, I, I just miss when Radical was so small and I knew everybody, you know? Like, I've heard this so many times, and, and I understand the sentiment, don't hear me, don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? I understand where they're coming from. They're like, oh, I miss it when it was small. Like, I knew everybody, it was so great, like, we would all hang out together, and, and I knew what everybody was going through, and all this stuff, and, and I, just, I just miss that, like, tight-knit family feel, you know? And I get what you're saying there. If you say something like that, you like a small church, hey, I get where you're coming from. But, On the other side of it, from my perspective, you got to think about it from the apostles' perspective, from Jesus' perspective. I'm I'm thinking, so you missed when we were reaching less people for Jesus? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. Think about it for a second. You you missed when there were less people being baptized? 
when there were less people being saved, less people getting set free from addictions, where there were less families that were being restored and, and kids that were finding and following Jesus over there at Rad Kids, like we miss that? I mean, I understand that there was that tight-knit feeling, but man, what if the apostles felt that way? What if, what if the 12 had thought that? And then there was the 72 disciples, right? What if the 72 disciples felt the same way? Like, oh, we just really love like this tight-knit group, you know, it's amazing. And then the 120 in the upper room, like the, the Holy Spirit comes down at Pentecost and bam, you know, they're all speaking in tongues, but they never walk outside. They just stay in there. And you're like, this is incredible what God's doing right now. Let's keep it to ourselves and really just try to keep this family tight, you know? Like, that's not what they did at all. Peter goes out and preaches to the 3,000. They all get saved. What if the 3,000 had felt that way? Man, it's getting pretty big now. We better, we, we better just keep this one to ourselves, guys. This is getting a little too big for me. I really liked it better when it was 120, you know? And it's always so funny, though, too, because uh, everybody always idealizes the past, I guess. We always think that the past... It was the good old days, right? It's like, oh, well, three years ago was the good old days or 10 years ago was the good old days. And a lot of times you don't realize you're living in the good old days, right? You know, I've heard that before. And it's so funny. I kind of relate this to, to Kyle, all right? You know, Kyle has grown so much over the last few years, but um, my family moved here in 2000 and or my grandparents and then my family in 2007. And so I remember what it was like when there was just 5,000 people. And I will always kind of view Kyle as like this small little town with a Dairy Queen, you know, that people just kind of pass through. I remember what it was like, you know, and it's easy for me even to be like, oh, I remember the good old days, you know, like 2007, 2010, you know, I was a senior in high school. I was, I was one of the first people to work at the Chick-fil-A right when it very first opened. Now we're getting another Chick-fil-A, you know, this is crazy. Okay. And so if you didn't know, now, you know, we got two Chick-fil-A's, praise God, Lord's chicken. So <laughs> that line is long, man. Ain't got no parking. <laughs> but it's funny because then there's the people that were here, like they're born and raised here, right? The people that have been here since like the 70s, the 60s, 80s, you know, and they're always like, man, the 90s in Kyle, those were the good old days. Those were the best times in Kyle, you know, when it was small, it was just so much smaller and so much better, you know? But then there's the people that moved here in like 2019, you know? And then they're all like, it's 2024 now. And they're saying, man, I miss the good old days back in 2019 here in Kyle. It's so annoying, all these new people moving here. And all of us are looking at them like, yeah, that's you, dude. Like, you're part of the problem. You're bringing everybody with you. We've been here longer. But then I say that getting here from 2007. And then there's people in our church that are born and raised here. They're like, oh, no, excuse me, sir. You got here in 2007. I've been here since birth, Okay. And so we always have this tendency to kind of remember what it was like when it was smaller. And we kind of, we look at it with this sense of longing. And, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that in a sense of, man, I miss what it was like, you know? I miss being able to know everybody, and I do miss that. But at the same time, growth is inevitable. And I'm not here to talk about the city's growth. I'm here to talk about the growth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? And we are responsible for sharing the, God, the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ with those around us. And man, we will celebrate every single time somebody new comes to the dinner table. Every single time a new seat is filled with somebody that says yes to Jesus for the first time. Every time somebody gets baptized, every time an addiction is broken, man, I will celebrate every single time. And yes, it's gonna be growth. Yes, it's gonna be different. Yes, it's going 
going to be difficult and we have to work hard to make it feel small. But man, I believe that Jesus is celebrating and we should too, amen? If the 12, 72, 120, 3,000, if they would have thought that way, if I miss when it was small, man, we wouldn't be sitting here right now, right? And we, when we say we welcome everybody, we always say, okay, let me take a drink of water before I spit this fire. Okay, hold on a second. Here we go. <laughs> I'm about to come at some people right now. I don't, I don't use Twitter, but I do subtweet every once in a while. Here we go. We say we welcome everyone. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're here. That's amazing. Hi, with a sign out front, you know, holding the door open. Except when you sit in my seat, you better not, you know. <laughs> like, Don't sit in my seat. I sit there every single Sunday, okay. We welcome everyone. We say we do. Except when we have to add another service. Do we really have to add another service, Pastor Trevor? Do we really have to add another one? I'm like, do you think I want to... <laughs> I got to preach four times now soon. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard for me. You're only here for one of them. <laughs> I'm here for all of them. My kids are here for all of them. You think that's easy for us? No. Oh, my goodness. We say we welcome everyone until the coffee runs out. Come on now. I need my caffeine, somebody. Uh-uh. I mean, about that, you better make some more coffee. We're going to have to buy some more. We say we welcome everybody except when I don't have that same feeling of knowing everybody like I used to, you know? And I'm not upset in anybody. I'm really not. It's just something that I have to deal with even myself. And let me encourage you with this. Today, you don't have to know everybody. You don't have to know everyone. And all the extroverts were like, oh, but I have to. <laughs> I, I'm the same way. I'm with you on that. I, I want to know everyone. I want to know your story. I want to know what's going on in your life. Like, I want to be best friends with every single one of you, okay? I really would love to do that, but it's physically impossible. We literally cannot do that. For real, do you think that all of the 3,000 of those first believers had a personal relationship with Peter? No, of course not. It's, there's no way that's possible. They did, they, there were some people that probably didn't even have a personal relationship with any of the 12. And you're like, really, you think so? I know so. It's impossible. Yes, they probably got to get, Lord was adding to their number daily, every single day. It was exponential growth. There's no way that they could have known Peter on a personal level, not every single one of them. Of course not. What did they do? They probably did what every single one of us would have done, right? What do we do in life? Well, we find somebody that, uh, that we click with, right? They probably found somebody that they, they clicked with, that they just got along with, and maybe they have the same job that they do, or they like the same things that they do, or they have kids that are around the same age that they do. I'm talking about the 3,000 now, right? Just imagine, they, they, they probably just found their people. They found their crew, and, and it's just human nature, like the same people that think things are funny like I do, you know? Like, those are the people that I'm going to hang out with. It's human nature, I bet all the fishermen probably hung out together. I bet you they did. They were all like, well, let's all get together. Let's go hang out. We'll go fishing together. You know, it's like, we're all dudes. You know, that's what we do, right? The moms are all getting together to do play dates with the kids. It's all the same. And the fishermen are like making fun of the carpenters. Like, hey, he said that we'd be fishers of men. So obviously <laughs> we're better. Okay. You know, <laughs> the carpenters are all hanging out over here. Like, yeah, well, Jesus was a carpenter. So you guys stink, right? You know, I don't know what they're doing, but you find your people, you find your crew. And what's the point here? The point is you don't have to know everyone, 
but everyone needs to be known by someone. You do not have to know everyone. Extroverts, release yourself of that responsibility. All the introverts are like, yeah, I know. (laughs) I didn't want to. (laughs) Don't worry, I'm good, you know. You don't have to know everyone, but everyone needs to be known by someone. And when, when I say known, I don't mean your name. I mean they need to know you. Like, they need to know who you are. They need to know what you struggle with. They need to know the difficult things you're walking through. They need to know what you're praying for. They need to know the names of your kids. They need to know your schedule and when they can call and, like, when they can go grab coffee with you. And, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they need to really know you. It's the most basic of human things is to love and be loved, to know and be known by somebody else. We need that. We all need encouragement. We all need to feel loved. We all need to have relationships where we could just be real with one another, right? Like, just be real about what I'm dealing with. And you can't do that in a large setting. You just can't. Like, if you got up, there was always that one kid at youth camp that got up and just would tell everybody every single thing that he was dealing with in his life, and it was weird every single time. Like, don't do that, you know? Don't try to tell everybody what you're dealing with. But why? Because there's safety in community, Right? There's safety in those tight-knit relationships where you can be real and honest with a few. You don't need to have everybody know everything, but there needs to be somebody. There needs to be a tight-knit crew of people that you can go to and talk to about these things that you're dealing with. Ultimately, I believe God wants us to be in community with one another so that we'll become stronger in our faith. Amen? There's some people that have gone before me that have helped me in my faith, and I'm glad to be in community with them. And now I'm able to help somebody else that has gone through the same thing that I went through when I was younger. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And community is like iron sharpening iron. Sometimes sparks fly, right? Sometimes it's a little difficult. Sometimes there's a little friction there, right? That's what ironing sharpening iron is. It's loud, Sometimes those sparks fly and you get bent out of shape, you know, and somebody, your buddy's got to bend you right back into shape and you're working together. That iron gets hot. It's difficult, but man, you're going back and forth and you are making each other better and sharper at the end of the day. Community is also messy. Why? Well, when you have true community, people are no longer just your friends. They become family, right? And you all have that person that you're like, hey, you're not even just my friend anymore. You're like a brother to me. You're like a sister to me. I know a lot of people, they say, hey, you know, they say tío and tía. And it's like, are you related? And they're like, no, <laughs> but they're, they're like an uncle. They're like an aunt to me. They're part of our family. Whether or not they're blood related or not, that just is what it is. I love that. Why is that? That's true community. That's real community. Family's not always pretty, though. Amen? <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> it's not. The people that you thought were the absolute best and would never do anything to hurt me. They would never do anything. They're amazing. They don't have anything wrong with them. Absolutely. You start to see over time when you get in real community with somebody and real friendship, you start to see the cracks in their armor. You start to see the things about them that you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that about you. You know, like, I really disagree with that. <laughs> but yet, that's the only way that you know it's the true cost of friendship, is knowing those things about somebody else. If they don't know what you struggle with, then you're not close enough yet. If they don't know what you struggle with, you're not close enough yet. A true friend will know 
will know everything you struggle with and not hold it against you, but it's because they know everything that you struggle with too. You know everything that they struggle with. And that's what true friendship is like. We have to commit to community, but it gets harder as we get bigger. It really does. And I'm feeling it. And maybe you are too. It's the weirdest feeling for me, honestly. There's been a few times, might just be totally real. It's crazy. Uh, someone will walk by on a Sunday morning here. Someone will walk by and they'll have their little rad team lanyard on and they'll kind of wave at me and say, hey, pastor, like, hey. And I'll walk away and I'll be like, who is that? You know? <laughs> I have no idea who that person is. They're serving on our team? <laughs> okay, you know, and I'll go back and, and I'll say, hey, like, uh, have we met yet? And they're like, actually, no, we haven't met yet, but, you know, I just want to say, hey, uh, pastor, I'm, my name's so-and-so, and, you know, my husband and I, we've been coming for a couple of months now, and we've really enjoyed it, and uh, I just felt like I wanted to jump on the rad team and start serving and helping people, and, you know, I, I connected with a few other people, and, you know, they took us out to lunch on our first Sunday or second Sunday we were here, and really got to know them a lot, and so uh, it's, been, it's been amazing. We were so encouraged, and I, you know, just wanted to introduce myself and say, hey, and I'm like, what? Like, this is crazy. No, this is so odd to me. Like, you're serving on our team, and I, I've literally never even met you before. It didn't used to be like that. I used to know everybody. I'll see videos on Instagram of people getting coffee or lunch with somebody who's new to the church, someone that I do know. And I see them hanging out with somebody else, and they're like hanging with the Rad fam. And I'm like, who is that? You know, I don't even know who you're hanging out with, but I'm so glad that. You've connected with them, you know, and you guys are going out. To, I didn't even know that you guys were friends. Like, that's so cool. That's amazing that you're, that you're doing that, that you're connecting, that you're committed to community. And it's just an odd feeling to me, if I'm being honest. I'm being super vulnerable here today. I usually am, honestly, but I just feel like I'm being pretty vulnerable here, but I hope that's okay. But I remember what it was like when it was just 50 of us. I remember back in 2020 what it was like when everybody knew everybody. We went through the first growth track together. I had one-on-one -on -one meetings with everyone in the church. You know what I mean? I could have a coffee with every single person. It was possible back then. And uh, then it came to the point where I had to start pulling back a little bit because we had 150 people in the church. And, and so I had to start being more intentional with just investing more in the rad team and just the people that were on our team. And, but then it got to the point where it wasn't 150 people in the church. Now it's 150 people just on the rad team and actually it's closer to 200 now which is amazing but now that even adds another layer of complexity and so now I'm even having to pull back in another sense and invest in developing leaders and developing staff it's hard for me to do that I want to be completely honest with you guys it's an odd feeling so I've had to switch my focus multiple times because I don't like not knowing everybody either I'm with you I do miss sometimes when it was small. I feel you on that. People that say I like small church, I'm with you. Because I miss that family feeling too. And I want to keep that as long as we can. I never, ever want to lose that. It's tough for my extroverted self that deals with the biggest case of FOMO that you've ever seen in your entire life, you know? I tried to go to the women's event the other day. I really did. I tried to go to the women's event. There was 80 of them there. And I was supposed to get up here and talk and honor my mom for a second. It was like 10 minutes into the event. They kicked me out. They said, you're not allowed to be here. So for real, they sure kicked me out. And I was at home hanging out with my kids. You know what I was thinking the whole time, the rest of that night? Man, I wonder how it's going. <laughs> just like my hands are like shaking. Like, I just want to go hang out with people, you know? Like, golly. 
But I was, I was at Home Depot a few days ago, and I was checking out, and this cashier, uh, such a sweet, just nicely smiling, she uh, just sweetly says to me, um, hey, pastor, how you doing? And I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> and uh, I was like, have we met before? Do you go to Radical? And she was like, yeah, we met a few months ago, just one time. And, uh, and we, we had a few things happen in, in our lives. And so, you know, we're at home watching online, but we watch every single Sunday, my husband and I, we watch every Sunday online at 10 o'clock. So if you're watching, hello. And uh, she said, it's, it's been so cool. We were so encouraged and we're just so grateful for the church that, you know, we can even watch at home, even when we can't be in person. And, and I was like, man, that's amazing. I'm so glad, uh, you know, and I talked with her for a little bit and just wanted to connect. And I walked away from that conversation with mixed emotions, really. So happy that I got to connect with someone who was blessed by our church, but also kind of upset that I didn't recognize her, you know? I'm like, gosh, that's what you're supposed to be good at, Trevor. You're supposed to be recognizing people, names and faces. That's part of your job. That's what you do. You know, it's upsetting to me when I don't recognize somebody out in the public, but then I had to even remind myself. I was like, hold on, Trev. I don't have to know everyone. Everyone needs to be known by someone. I don't have to know everyone. Everyone needs to be known by someone. I have to tell myself that time and time and time again. And the first thought was, you know, I'm upset that I didn't know her. But as I was reminding myself of this thought, I think the most important thought started to take over in my mind, which was, who does she know? Who knows her? Who's caring for her? Who knows her husband's name and her kids' names? Who's encouraging her through her hard times? Who's celebrating with her at dinner when she gets that promotion at Home Depot now? Come on, somebody. Who's the one that she's going to text from our church? Those are the kinds of thoughts that I'm thinking now. Those are the questions that I'm asking. Who she's going to celebrate with when she has a victory or when she's going through the hardest time in her life, does she have anybody to reach out to? And those are the questions I'm asking, and I want you to also ask yourself. I want you to consider those as well. Who are my people? Who's my crew? Maybe you have that, maybe you don't. But we all need it, amen? Who are the people that I know that I can call on when times are tough, and they'll drop everything to talk with me? When I do get that promotion at work, they'll be the ones that go out to dinner with me to celebrate. When we have that new baby, they're the ones signing up for the meal train to bring us dinner. The families that will come to my kids' baseball games, they know the schedule, right? And they'll come and show up to those baseball games. Who are those people for you? And as your pastor, guys, I just want you to know, I want, I want to know every single one of you. I really do. I think you can feel that, okay? It's like so difficult for me that I don't, but I want to know as many people as I can. I want to connect with you. And honestly, even if it's just you tell me your story, man, that means so much to me. It means so much to me when you tell me your testimony and what God's doing in your life. I love to hear those things. And I'm so glad you're here. I hope that you feel the love of Jesus when you walk through the doors. I hope you feel like family. And I hope you feel a part of the Rad Fam. And that you're getting connected and meeting new people. And at the end of the day, you know, it's not about me, right? It's not about the church building. It's not about the staff. It's about you connecting with God and you connecting with others. 
And I feel like that's what they were trying to do in Acts chapter two as well. It wasn't about Peter. It wasn't about the 12. Now there's 3,000 people out there that we need to connect with God the Father and connect with others. We have to commit to community. Our safety team is incredible. They're a tight-knit group of guys. Um, make sure this church is safe during all of our services. They protect us. They protect our kids while we're having service. You might see them out and about, and they're always ready to serve in any way. They had this gathering at the gun range, right, where they're, you know, practicing their best Rambo impressions, you know, I don't know. Then they're eating pizza and getting to know each other, hanging out, and, you know, uh, I, I wasn't even there. But man, they had so much community built in that time. They went over the manual. They just hung out, got to know each other. Heard it was so life-giving and a ton of fun. And our rad women, you know, I ha- they had that first gathering the other day that I was kicked out from. You remember that one? Okay. And, but they got together and they worshiped and they connected together. And there's so many friendships that were born in that night. I've heard stories of women going out and getting brunch and coffee and lunch together because of them meeting each other that day. And that's beautiful. It's amazing. One of our moms... And in, in, in one of our mom's groups had a, a pretty scary family emergency with one of her kids. And she texted the group chat, and within minutes, she was completely covered in prayer. People calling, texting, responding. And one of the moms even brought them dinner that night, just a few hours later. That's beautiful. I went to one of the dad's groups just yesterday where I learned... Honestly, I learned more about these guys that I've been around for a year, but I learned more about them in one hour than I had in an entire year because they were vulnerable. We were sharing testimonies and stories. It was incredible. I hear stories of hospital visits that I didn't know about. I hear stories of baby showers that I wasn't invited to. (laughs) Meetings that people said, hey, pastor, you didn't need to be in this meeting. We got this. Okay. Meal trains for new parents that are full of names of people from our church. I don't even know half of them. And yet they're stepping up to help and be in community with other people and to support them in their time of need. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. That's what community is all about. And every time I hear one of these, I just, I can't help but smile. I smile when I hear these things. It's hard for me, but I love it. Because this is the body of Christ, amen? This is the church being the church. And I really truly believe that the Acts 2 believers, if they would look and see what's happening at Radical Church right now, they would look and they would be proud of us. We're working hard to build community around here. And that's what they did too. So I just wanna encourage you with a few things today. This whole message is just simply to encourage you to commit to community, right? Get connected. Please get connected. Don't do life alone. You're not created to do life alone. You're created to do life within community. So one way you can do that is by getting in a group. Now I know not every group will work for your schedule. It might not work for this semester, whatever it might be. You don't have to get in a rad group specifically. I'd encourage you to do that. But man, you just gotta find somebody that is in your crew in this church. You gotta find a way to connect with other Christ followers that will help you to grow in your faith help you to grow in your parenting, to grow in your marriage, right? To grow as a father, to grow as a husband, to grow as a wife or a mother, whatever it might be. You gotta find those people. Another way you can do that is by serving on the rad team. I say people that serve together, stick together. It's not just a catchphrase. I really do believe that. 
And so I encourage you, please serve on the rad team. It's not just so that we can have more people serving on the team. I mean, obviously it's helpful, yes, but it's also for you. We serve God and we serve others. This is a part of living like Christ, amen? And I want you to meet your best friends while you're serving together. Serve one-on-ones right after third service. Maybe you can grab some people and go have lunch and come on back to serve one-on-one and get in community in that way. The last thing I wanna ask you to do today is just to, just to reach out to that person that you haven't reached out to, but that you know that you are supposed to, right? Get that phone number. Go get that phone number from that person. Stop being weird about it and just go do it, you know? We always get so weird about like, like oh, they, they seem kind of cool, you know? Like maybe we can hang out with them. I feel like we kind of have maybe similar interests. Like they're kids, they're about the same age as ours, right? You know, like, should we like, you know, he's got a cool mustache. I have a cool mustache. You know, like maybe we could bond over mustaches in coffee. I don't know. Like you'll go pee pee with me. You know, I don't know. Like, like go do that thing. I don't know. <laughs> There's so many different things you could do. Just go get the phone number, text them and go hang out. Be in the body of Christ. Get in community with each other because it's not just something we say. It's life or death for us, y'all. We have to have Christ-like community. If you do life alone, you will end up alone. And you're not meant to do it that way. Jesus said, don't forsake gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. Jesus didn't say that. Someone said that. Don't forsake, it's in Hebrews. Don't, for, don't forsake the gathering together as some have been in the habit of doing. What does that mean? It's easy for us to get in the habit of not meeting together. So we got to be intentional about doing it. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Hop in a group, join a serve team, get that phone number, go have lunch with somebody right now. Before you even leave today, make sure you do it. I want to encourage you with this. It's important. It's really important. I hope that this has been good for you guys. It's been kind of healing for me. It's just things that I've been thinking about. And so let me pray for you as we go out from here today. Father God, I just pray you would help us to commit to community, Lord. This is such an important thing that you've called us to do, to stay in Christ-like community with others so that we can be discipled by somebody, we can be mentored by somebody, and then we can disciple and mentor somebody else. Lord, you're adding to our numbers daily the same way that it was in Acts chapter two. I feel like there's always somebody new walking in these doors. God, would you help our church to be a place where we welcome them with open arms, where we don't push them away and say, man, I wish that it was smaller. I wish that you weren't here, really is what we're saying. No, God, we wanna welcome people into the family, welcome them into the fold and and have a seat at the table for somebody to share their story and to get connected, to meet new people. And God, I pray that you'd give us a holy boldness to get in community with one another, that people wouldn't be afraid to ask for that phone number, to invite somebody to lunch, to go on a play date with the kids while the husbands are at work. I don't know what it might be for them. But what I know is, is that you value community. And as iron sharpens iron, we will sharpen one another here at Radical Church. God, I thank you for what you're doing. We praise you. And all God's children said, amen. Come on, can we give God praise this morning? Thank you, Lord. I hope it's encouraged you today. Hey, God bless you. Get in community. Come back for Serve 101. We'll see you at 1230. God bless.